Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, viewed to be the best. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So I want to begin today's show with kind of an interesting news report from over the weekend that we don't have any reason to believe isn't 100% accurate, if that's a double negative. The point is, this seems like this is kind of what went down here. I think it's pretty revealing for UGA, and I think it's the kind of thing that Georgia fans ought to notice. And frankly, just given the way the program has kind of trended the last couple of years, this is the kind of thing I think you ought to be pretty excited about. A lot of folks have kind of wondered... Well, you know, how well is Georgia going to hold on to its assistant coaches during the offseason? And, you know, uh, Dan Lanning, defensive coordinator, got an offer he couldn't refuse to go be Oregon head coach. It's a very big job for a, for a young coach to get a chance to be a part of. And so, therefore, he moves on to become a head coach. And you knew, just given the success that Georgia's had, that there was going to be some opportunities for George assistants to move on to better jobs You've just been kind of wondering well how many more names and how many more of these rumors my Georgia fans have to endure here well apparently there was also an issue on the offensive side of the ball there as well but this has apparently resolved itself pretty quickly and in the favor of Georgia you know that Brian Kelly has been hired as LSU head coach and obviously he's looking to fill his staff out there uh, apparently he has come after Georgia offensive coordinator Todd Munkin and apparently he's gotten the stiff arm apparently he's been rebuffed apparently he was told no by Munkin at least according to the folks at football scoop let me read you a couple of sentences here related to the Munkin thing this from John Bryce I love what football scoop does uh, you know it's not an ad here but I do think they do a good job covering this stuff because you got to have a niche in life and football scoop for the most part their uh, niche are these coaching things in fact I think the website used to be called coachingsearch.com and they finally changed it to football scoop because that was just a little bit more broad. But uh, they are kind of in on the coaching rumor mill. I love the coaching rumor mill, and I love the way they coach this. Uh, I should say they cover that. So here's what John Bryce writes over the weekend, footballscoop.com. Multiple sources told football scoop that Brian Kelly, the LSU head coach, had discussed the offensive coordinator position with Georgia play caller Todd Munkin. Those sources said Munkin has expressed a desire to remain with the Bulldogs. So given the money that Brian, by the way, it's John Bryce football scoop who reports that. So given the money that Brian Kelly's making as LSU head coach, it stands to reason that for his offensive coordinator, as important a role as that is, LSU probably also had the authority to spend big here, try to steal a guy like Todd Munkin away from, from UGA, not able to do that. Todd Munkin, according to Football Scoop, says he's expressed a desire to remain at UGA. Now, we have every reason to believe that uh, Bryce's reporting on this is accurate. We also you know, will acknowledge that just because you turn on the LSU job doesn't mean that if the, I don't know, NFL team called you and wanted you to be their offensive coordinator that a guy like Todd Munkin might not take that job or small school to be head coach or something like that there may be jobs out there that that Munkin would like to have other than Georgia offensive coordinator but this is I think a pretty big deal here that a school like LSU that seemingly I mean they offered reportedly Jimbo Fisher 13 million dollars a year to be their head coach money right now for LSU isn't an option whatsoever and yet big bucks possibly offered to Todd Munkin, Munkin says he wants to stay at Georgia. Now, this is interesting to me for two reasons. First of all, it's very good for Georgia when you look at the year-over-year-over-year uh, success and improvement for the Georgia offense. We've been talking about this a lot. 
that the Georgia offense over the course of the last couple of years has clearly been trending the right, or the right direction. 2020 compared to 2019, way better. 2021 in comparison to 2020, uh, also way better. In Todd Munkin's two years as Georgia offensive coordinator, the success has been built on in each of those two years. And it stands to reason that assuming Munkin does come back in 2022, football scoop saying that he wants to, that once again, Georgia will have a chance to build on that success even more. And by the way, we may do more on this in tomorrow's show, that when you look at where Georgia could go if it improves at almost the same rate next season that it has over the course of the last two seasons, that there's really not much left to accomplish other than be in that category of truly elite offenses. That if there's more growth for a Munkin offense coming back here in 2022, what you're really getting to is an offense that all of a sudden really does start to replicate and, and resemble what the very best offense in the country are because that's kind of the only threshold left for Georgia to achieve there uh, based on the way in which this offense grew in Munkin's first year and the way the offense grew again in Munkin's second year. The notion of a third year of Todd Munkin is the kind of thing that ought to get Georgia fans excited. And then there's this, and I'm somewhat hesitant to weigh into this. I told you all two Fridays ago that I wouldn't bring up quarterback again on this show at the beginning, you know, you know, in our conversation. I, I wouldn't bring up quarterback again until I had a relevant reason to do so. Well, I think we do kind of have a little bit of a uh, relevant reason to bring this up now. Smart did address the quarterback thing the other day. Uh, by the way, as I'm speaking here today, Kirby Smart's also doing another press conference here for this week. Uh, that'll be available on the Dog Nation YouTube page a little later on uh, this uh, late morning, early afternoon. You'll get a chance to see that then there. But in Smart's press conference last week, he brought up the quarterback situation again. And listen, at a certain point, everything that can be said about this has been said about it. Uh, a lot of you are on the record's in your belief that you'd like to see JT Daniel start in the college football playoff. I've kind of acknowledged the fact that, hey, given what Georgia did do against Alabama, maybe it makes some sense to try something different. Maybe it makes some sense to try a guy that you once tabbed as your starting quarterback. You at least believed in him enough at the beginning of the season to make him your guy. Maybe going back to him now at least makes some sense. I, I've certainly acknowledged that. But I've also said, and this is where it kind of puts me in different company than some of you, I've also said that if Smart doesn't do that, he must have a good reason for doing so. Smart knowing what he knows, seeing what he sees, being behind closed doors for the inner workings of, of the entirety of the program, this decision specifically, that if Smart continues to make this decision, that he must have a, a good reason for doing that. And some of you have said, well, no, he doesn't. Smart's an egomaniac. Smart's clearly shown an inability to handle the quarterback situation. And if he handles this one wrong based on your certainty that you know better than Smart on this, that it's going to cost Kirby Smart somehow. That there's going to be, in fact, some of you have even said, hey, Todd Munkin ain't sticking around for this. Todd Munkin ain't going to be here at Georgia in 2022 if this is the way the quarterback situation gets handled uh, at, at Georgia. Uh, Todd Munkin's not signing up for this this isn't what Todd Munkin signed up for there's no way Todd Munkin wants to hang around be a part of this situation there at quarterback well all of a sudden now we have a fairly strong report from football scoop though that Todd Munkin does want to be here in 2022 that somehow some way we are left to conclude from that 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 Munkin is comfortable with how the Georgia quarterback situation is playing out even though it's strange even though it's unorthodox even though I struggle struggle at times to explain why all of this is happening 
those who are on the inside who know more are kind of okay with the decision that's being made. And once again, this is only relevant now because Smart spoke about this last week. We haven't played this audio yet on the show. Uh, being asked directly about, hey, moving into the college football playoff, is this a chance and an opportunity to reevaluate the quarterback situation? Is this a chance for you to maybe think more about playing JT Daniels and not playing uh, Stetson Bennett? And by the way, why are you playing Stetson Bennett instead of JT Daniels? All of this was asked to Smart last week, and I want you to listen to Smart's words. These words are frustrating to some of you, but the question I think you got to ask yourself is, does it make you more comfortable with Smart's explanation if you now, at least on the basis of circumstantial evidence, have reason to believe that Todd Munkin is also okay with these decisions that are being made? And we think that because apparently, according to Football Scoop, Munkin wants to come back to Georgia next year. So listen to Kirby Smart through that lens that everything that Smart is saying, apparently Todd Munkin, who's got options and who's a respected offensive mind, apparently he's okay with all of this too, Kirby from last week. Yeah, I don't know if I can answer all those questions. It's, uh, there was like three of them in there. But at the, at the end of the day, I think we have four really good quarterbacks in our system. I really feel confident in four guys that can play quarterback for us. I continue to say and repeatedly say both those guys are evaluated each and every day. Stetson did some really good things in the Alabama game. He made a couple bonehead plays as well that he has not played and he has not done in the past just like we reassess every single position just like i said after the game we reassess everything by how you practice what you do and everything you do but his feet have been a blessing for us his ability to run scramble make things open make plays with his feet have been good he made a couple poor decisions in the last game but he's not the only one that did that so we'll continue to evaluate it so as I said before, I was very hesitant to even bring this up today because just because I feel like the quarterback thing has just been done and done and done. But I do think this new information possibly pro- provides a new lens to look at all this through. There are a lot of Georgia fans that are just not quite so sure they trust Kirby when it comes to quarterback situations and quarterback decisions. In fact, some of you are convinced that you don't trust him, that the lingering effects of the Jake Fromm, Justin Fields thing from 2018 affects the way that you view Kirby Smart on this now, that that you're just suspicious of Smart's reasoning for doing things with the quarterback the, the, the way that he does. However, most of those people who I've heard from, and believe me, they make their voice heard, most of the people that I've heard from on that, though, do kind of trust Todd Munkin. They do kind of believe that Munkin's a guy worth having around, that this is the best offensive coordinator that Georgia has had during the smart era. This is the kind of guy that can lead Georgia in the right direction when it comes to offense. Well, now you know, at least you have your you have reason to believe that, that Todd Munkin, given a chance to go somewhere else and do it his own way, that if he's in handcuffs because Kirby Smart wants to be, you know, man ball or whatever Smart wants to be, Todd Munkin had the escape raft. He had the escape, you know, uh, vehicle that he could have, uh, you know, left on. He could have gone and gotten big dollars at LSU, and he could have gone and run the offense his way with the quarterback he wanted to pick. Well, apparently, that's not quite what um, that's not quite what Todd Munkin wanted to do, according to Football Scoop. Todd Munkin's kind of excited, maybe, about coming back to Eugene. Now, who knows how that changes in a couple of weeks? Maybe he gets an NFL job or something like that. Maybe he leaves after that. But he didn't leave for LSU, at least according to Football Scoop, and that to me gives you a new context for Kirby Smart's words in the quarterback position. And this is one of those things that as you move into the Orange Bowl time, I really don't expect Smart's language on the quarterback 
to change all that much. The way that he has talked about this is the way that I believe he will continue to talk about it. At least that's every sense that I get, is they are very comfortable with the decision they have made. And the decision has been made, and to me, it doesn't show much evidence of changing, whether it be Michigan in the uh, in the semifinal or whatever maybe happens after that. And you're left to wonder why, and I'm right there with you. But in terms of who's on board, apparently you can add Todd Munkin to the Kirby Smart train on this in terms of kind of being okay with how this quarterback situation is playing out right now. By the way, we'll talk more about Munkin in a moment later on the show about that matchup specifically with Michigan coming up uh, in the Orange Bowl, the Georgia offense against the Michigan defense. I think that's an important examination. We'll do more of that coming up in the show before we're done today. Before that, though, let me remind you that I'm Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. Happy to have all of you with us today. No matter how you get to us, uh, whether it be 945 for our first and 15. 10 a.m. on video, all kinds of video platforms, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, all of those uh, platforms that you see our show on. Of course, Radio Noon, Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref. Great to be with the folks there in Athens on the radio each and every day. That's always a lot of fun. Uh, Podcast form, did I say this already? The Apple Player, Spotify, WorldFamousDogNation.com. Bunch of ways for you to get the show. We appreciate you getting it however you get it. And I am grateful for the studio we get to do the show in for the platforms we get to be on and we wouldn't have any of that if not for our great sponsors and thank you so much as we roll through the end of this year into the start of a new year thank you so much for supporting those that support dog nation daily including our friends at Pella window and door of georgia such an important time to think about better windows and doors because they improve the the curb appeal of your home they just sort of look better on the outside which is kind of a nice thing but also they make your home feel better on the inside especially right now it's cold this morning And cold air on the outside means you want heat in the inside, and it's probably never been more expensive to heat your home than it is right now, at least with the prices kind of the way they are. That means you want to keep that energy inside your home, right? You don't want that heat escaping through inefficient windows and doors, and that's where our friends at Pella Window and Door of Georgia can step in. Whether you stop by and see them in their showroom, which is a beautiful place, we're going to be talking a lot more to you about that as we head through the uh, new year, or if you just want to kind of start your shopping experience online or maybe reach out by phone and talk to one of the Pella installation experts, they can talk about all your options with you, and they can show you what they have for you and why the quality of a Pella window or a Pella door is so much better than just kind of your running your mill stuff. That's what Pella window and door of George can do for you. Also right now, how about great savings? Never been a better time to save money. Pella window and door of Georgia offers that for you, including 40% off qualifying installations or 0% APR for 24 months. So a couple of different ways for you to get in touch. Make sure you find them today. It's PellaofGA.com slash dog nation. That's the website. PellaofGA.com slash dog nation. Also, give them a call, 678-638-1496. That's 678-638-1496. Pella Window and Door of Georgia is viewed to be the best. We'll get John Stinchcomb here coming up in just a little bit. Fun conversation with John. And as I said before, we'll look more at Todd Munkin. The the chess match going on between he and Michigan defensive coordinator Mike McDonald, that's kind of a fun conversation. We'll do some of that here before we're done. As we spend a lot of time in the days ahead getting you ready for Georgia-Michigan Orange Bowl. What an incredible showdown that's going to be. We're going to do our part to get you ready for that here over the course of our time together. Before that, though, it's Around the Doghouse, and it's assisted today by our friends at AAA. And while Georgia is in its pursuit of the college football playoff and in pursuit of a national championship, 
the hay is apparently not completely in the barn as of yet for the 2022 signing class either. And you kind of know this. Georgia's still out there pursuing some big names. And apparently, according to UJ Stafford David Cooper, there may be a pretty good chance that Georgia gets one of these big names before it's all said and done. In fact, in fact, one of the big name signees is kind of also engaging with Coach Coop on this. I want to show you this on uh, Twitter. Uh, Cooper putting it out there that they thought this 2022 signing class was all wrapped up. He says, huh, okay, basically mocking the idea that Georgia's done yet. And then, uh, uh, as he likes to call himself, Jul- uh, Julio Humphrey says, for real, people uh, just don't know what Georgia's about to do there. So, uh, obviously, Humphrey is pretty quickly become a big fan favorite with how active he's been on social media in terms of supporting UGA. There was that kind of weird 24, 36-hour period where he wasn't saying much on social media, and some folks kind of got a little concerned about that. But for the most part, he's been just you know great as far as touting UGA and talking up who George is going to get. And with uh, Cooper kind of doing the same thing there, though your mind pretty quickly goes to a guy like Ernest Green, the offensive lineman that'll be making his announcement come January. Uh, you start th- you know thinking about a uh, you know Shamar Stewart who's going to be kind of out there rolling into the uh, month of February. That's obviously still be uh, discussed there. You know there there are other big names kind of out there for Georgia to be talked about, to be looked at. And apparently Georgia going to be still a uh, factor here in these decisions coming down to the end on all of that. But it was also kind of fun to see talk about uh, Coach Coop living it up and, and having a nice time there. Uh, nice photos of him over the weekend, you know, hanging out in the Hawks suite, something like the Coop Cabana. So they're clearly having a good time and being very active on social media. So you've got a couple of decisions coming up in January that Georgia fans are going to be very closely paying attention to. Uh, you've got the Shamar Stewart thing there as well, which is, you know, kind of a factor there too. So interesting to see a little bit of chatter out there about Georgia already with a top three class here for the 2022 class and apparently not done with all of that either so that is certainly fun to consider and that is around the doghouse it's assisted today by our friends at triple a and we certainly appreciate triple a when it comes to legendary roadside assistance this time for the holiday time of year you know i'm on the move and uh traveling around a lot visiting family visiting friends and also getting ready to go down to south florida there as well taking my whole family with me down to south florida and when we're doing all that we're happy to have triple a with us as we're traveling but triple a also a name for you to know when it comes to auto insurance there as well because when you switch and save with triple a you're gonna get huge savings for doing so that's one of the things that uh triple a is certainly famous for uh you can go to triple a.com slash auto insurance and find out more about that the big savings that come your way uh via triple a and auto insurance it is a name to know for auto insurance uh, so I said before, check out AAA.com slash auto insurance. Also, let me give you a number to dial. If you just want to talk to somebody directly about the auto insurance options you have from AAA, how about 866-380-1637? That's 866-380-1637. That's a number to dial. You can learn more about AAA via all of that there as well. All right, it's great to have you here. Dog Nation Daily presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia today. A lot going on around the SEC that we want to get to. We'll talk to you about that, including some big news with new Oregon head coach Dan Lanning, a former SEC quarterback. Pretty big addition for Lanning in his first year there at uh, at, at Oregon there at Eugene. Also a tie for UGA backing on this too, which we'll talk more about in a moment. But for now, on everything, on Georgia's preparations for the Orange Bowl, on Georgia's preparations for the college football playoff, and it's shot at winning a national championship, let's do a classic city lager insider update. Let's talk to John Stinchcomb right now. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. 
Always great to have John Stinchcomb here on the program. Great to talk some Georgia football with him. And, you know, John, these uh, countdown is now on, getting ready for that Orange Bowl. Big big game, going to be here before you know it. Obviously, two big, huge brands and a chance for Georgia to win a national championship here over the course of what it hopes is two more games here this season. I think as of now, you can start to feel, and obviously Christmas is kind of on the rise for a lot of folks before that, but as of now, you can start to feel that college football playoff start to inch a little bit closer and, uh, you know, the the whether it be the vibe coming out of Athens where the team is busy at work or, or whatever else, signing day is kind of behind you. You sort of look at that at that game against Michigan as kind of that next big thing, and it's not it's not too soon to start really paying close attention to that. Uh, it's right around the corner, and it's going to be a fun couple of weeks. Obviously, folks should be pretty pumped about the, this coming weekend's festivities with Christmas on the horizon, but there should be another gift in store for all dog fans, and that comes a week later uh, in Miami. So, good couple of weeks coming up for, for all of us, but especially for dog fans. You uh, and I do a show each week called Chase for the Championship, where we talk a lot about those playoff angles for Georgia, what needs to happen as Georgia gets ready for a college ball playoff game, and Last week on the show, uh, this was shortly after Kirby Smart had done his press conference last week, the quarterback issue kind of came up, and I was very candid and honest with you in saying that at this point, I just don't have a lot left to say about this. A lot of Georgia fans wish Smart would make a different decision. Smart shows no signs of making that decision that some fans wish that he would make. I'm kind of content to assume that Smart has a good reason for doing what he's doing, even if I can't fully explain what it is. And that, to me, is kind of the end of the discussion. This is one of those things where it's not resolving itself the way that some fans want, but it's also not you – know, at a certain point, you can't, you can't force that situation to change. It just kind of is what it is. However, the, I guess the new information here is, is that there were reports out there that Todd Munkin had a chance to leave UGA, could have gone to LSU. It is a lateral move. He could have gotten a lot of money for making that lateral move. Apparently, according to the folks of Football Scoop, Munkin wants to stay at Georgia. That doesn't sound like an offensive coordinator who's frustrated by this. So for the Georgia fan that's not sure that he trusts Kirby Smart on the quarterback thing, but most of these Georgia fans have said good things about Todd Munkin. They seem to believe in his ability to run a good offense. If Munkin's also on board with this too, then, John, shouldn't that change the way that some people have kind of viewed this quarterback situation over these last few weeks that apparently Todd Munkin, who's got options to go other places, who's been a play caller in the NFL, who's been a head coach at the college level, who's you know, you know, kind of you know, been around the block and really provided some credibility since being here with this Georgia offense over the last couple of years, if if he's okay with this there as well, shouldn't that add more context to this discussion? Yes, and, and if fans have been out there thinking that it's just Todd Munkin has sat back idly as Coach Smart is individually handpicked uh, Stetson to be the guy, and so Todd's just you know going to go with the flow as the head coach whims. Uh, dictate that's <laughs> that's not the case i mean the, the offensive staff meets constantly uh coach munkin has probably the loudest voice in the discussion uh, specifically about the quarterback position as to who's going to be tasked with directing this team game in and game out and so i, I think it very much lends credibility to the decisions that are being made uh, it, Coach Munkin's background, he's, he's been at every level. He's found success, and I think he's done a tremendous job with this offense. And, you know, I understand the, the frustration of the fans. It's, it's tough to 
have seven losses in a row to Alabama. And uh, with that, you, you, you feel sorry for yourself and you point fingers. And I'm not talking about fans. I'm talking about myself <laughs> uh, as a Georgia fan because you're, you're tired of it. And, um, you know, what, what's, there's a good thing and a bad thing that's happening for Georgia right now. And uh, it's, it's, the good news is you had three and a half weeks to look at your mistakes and, and continue to work on it as a team. And those players have had those opportunities to not only correct uh, and see where they went wrong, but also look forward to another game and another uh, important matchup against Michigan that could very well lead to um, a, a redemption story, if you will, uh, from from what happened a couple weeks ago in the SEC championship. Um, the bad news for fans is you had three and a half weeks. You have three and a half weeks between uh, an, an ugly loss to Alabama and the next opportunity your team, our team, has to get out there and uh, prove that that was an anomaly and the elite defense that we talk about and uh, this being Georgia's year, those things still very much can hold true, um, but but you have to go out there and prove it on December 31st. So three and a half weeks is a long time. It's a long time to get ready. It's, it's great for players and coaches to – uh, kind of hit reset and focus in on some fundamentals and correct mistakes. But for fans, uh, it, w- it gives us an opportunity to kind of stew on on what went wrong. And for this fan base, it's you know there's there's plenty of distrust in in Stetson's play, but it certainly hadn't come from the the coaching staff. They seem to be all on board. Here's the other thing I'll say about Todd Monk, and I've been very consistent on this. If you want to go back to, like, last winter, I'm talking about the beginning of the calendar year, at a time in which, you know, folks assumed that JT Daniels would be Georgia quarterback, and there was this discussion of, well, how good could Daniels be? John, you can go back and find a lot of instances back then where at the time I said, the most important figure for Georgia right now is Todd Munkin. That it's really Munkin that has the chance to be the transformational figure for this offense and that the success of the players that play in the offense will largely be dependent on what kind of scheme that Munkin puts out there for them. Now, I think this season, Munkin has taken another big step forward in terms of designing an offensive system that works. And frankly, John, as you head into the college football playoff, my overall opinion of Munkin hasn't changed, that he is potentially the most important figure in the entire program right now that the guy that has a chance to push the button that leads to Georgia winning a national championship may be Munkin as much as anybody it's not a personnel thing of I'm gonna play this guy instead of playing that guy it's about designing an offense that gives you a chance to get enough against a great Michigan defense to advance in that game and who knows what happens after that but just to stay on the orange ball here for a moment that if if you ask me as a fan who's on my mind maybe more than anything else going into this game we're going to talk more about this later on the show but but who's on my mind going into this game against Michigan in a couple of weeks as who has the biggest opportunity to really create that win for Georgia John I'd probably put Munkin on that list as much as I'd put anybody on there because what he does with the personnel that he has available to him and yes you've had injuries at wide receiver and yes you've had whatever else you kind of want to get into on all that but somehow some way Georgia's figured out a way this season if he can figure out a way against Michigan as well coming up here in a couple of weeks then Todd Munkin will have really put his stamp on this Georgia team and this Georgia season to me that's one of the biggest storylines going into the Orange Bowl. Yeah, uh, I agree with that. I think Coach Munkin has taken this offense and we've taken a giant leap forward 
in our ability to uh, attack defenses in a variety of ways. I think what has really typified this season is the deployment of uh, a number of personnel groupings and highlighting players' individual skill sets in ways that are super problematic for any defense out there. I mean, obviously the um, emergence of a, a true freshman tight end who, you know, there were high billings for, but uh, he far exceeded any realistic expectations as to what you can get out of a, an incoming freshman. I mean, I, Bowers has really just set a new new bar as to what that can be, and he didn't do it alone. I think the opportunities that were provided him in the system, um, you just look at uh, the, the ways in which he's used, in-line tight end, slot wide receiver, uh, in motion, the way he's come played at some of the outside positions, X and Z in, this, in, in various formations. Um, and, and I'm highlighting him to speak on a, on a broader topic, and that's Coach Munkin's ability to uh, utilize individual skill sets uh, that make this offense run. And uh, I could do the same thing for James Cook or uh, the fact that the, the, the wide receiver room has changed throughout the season and you know, McConkey has certainly had his games, and A.D. Mitchell has shown up from time to time, uh, depending on situations. And, and I think that's a testament. Anytime you lose really your top one, two, three uh, wide receivers, that can slow, to say that that can slow down an offense uh, I think would be an understatement. And we haven't really felt the effects of Pickens and Blaylock and Burton in ways that most offenses would, and I think that's – uh, to Coach Munkin's credit, of just finding ways to generate offense where others could be pointing towards excuses. Now, uh, I'd say this. I think Georgia, uh, what what makes this season special, what makes this uh, run to a national championship realistic is on the defensive side of the ball. And, uh, yes, against Michigan, it's going to be important for Georgia to generate offense and, and put points on the board. But, um I think the story has been and will remain that this team is identified, is its, its identity is, is centralized around uh, that defensive side of the ball. And uh, I think what we want to see is against high-level talent, against a, a good Michigan, well-balanced team, um, is, is it the Georgia defense that we saw for 12 weeks that – that's really who they are, or is it one that uh, we, we happened to witness in our last game against Alabama that you know you saw a lot more warts and, and holes in the defense than what we were accustomed to throughout the rest of the season? Yeah, I think that's a good point, but it's actually something you said before that that I want to touch on just for a moment. You mentioned Brock Bowers, and I, I don't think this can be overstated, that as good as Bowers is in a less effective offensive scheme, we may not see – the best of Brock Bowers the way that we have right now. It's not a no-brainer that a tight end is going to go out there and dominate a football game. It takes some sort of schematic advantage to be able to do that because you could always just improve – if you're a defense, you can always just improve the kind of guy you have covering a guy like that. In other words, you can take a safety off him, put a cornerback on there if you need to. or There's all kinds of ways in which you could try to shut down a Brock Bowers if you wanted to, but the fact that Bowers continues to have the success that he's had I think speaks to the quality of the offense that he's playing in. That in an inferior offense, maybe the kind of thing that George would have had prior to Todd Munkin's arrival here, 
there's a chance that Brock Bowers is is just a guy. But in an offense like the one that, that Todd Mungins put together, a guy like Bowers has a chance to really flourish. And it's not a given that would have happened in an inferior offensive scheme to me, John. No, and, and you have to be willing to adjust and improvise and highlight individual players when they possess the skill sets that uh, Brock Bowers does. And, you know, I hate to make any comparison to a team in orange and blue, but uh, Kyle Pitts and and what they did with him last year, um, I, I think was kind of set this table for uh, what you how you can use tight ends and for a true freshman to come in and be able to not only have plays designed for him uh, and and have his number called, but for him to step up and and answer the bell the way that he has. I think is a testament to the the special nature of the type player he is. I mean, it has been really impressive to see. You know, not only he he gets those opportunities, but the number of times where he takes the mundane and makes it truly special. Uh, case in point would be that slant route um, in in what was it the the last game of the season, or was that Alabama where? You know, you just you turn a slant route into a sixty-plus yeah. yard touchdown just because he's got the extra gear. That Georgia Tech, they're running together, BA. Yeah, and listen, uh, this time of year, it all just kind of runs runs together a little bit. Yeah, and I think that's. But uh, you know, he go ahead. He, he's a special guy. He's a special guy. But you have to have uh, the, the willingness and ability to create opportunities for him and i think that's what that's what munkin has done really well uh you know he he's one example of it and there's there's many others that we could point to that say you know uh, you're coaching at a high level it's not checkers we're playing out there no i think that's exactly right i want to ask you about uh mindset going to the game coming up in a moment before that let me remind folks though this is our classic city logger insider update with john stinchcomb great uh, breakdown of George each and every week here on this program from uh, John and a great chance for you as you're heading towards your holiday time of the year. I was at some parties here this weekend. A lot of you doing the same thing. Always have that classic city lager in my hand as I'm heading out for uh, one of these Christmas events and I hope you'll do the same thing there from Creature Comforts Brewing Company. It's just good cold beer. I'm a simple guy. I like simple things. I like things that taste good and that's what Creature Comforts Brewing Company is all about. Craft style lager so while it's lighter in color there's no sacrifice in flavor incredible flavor terrific enjoyment from a uh, from uh, creature comforts and the uh, the work they do to make sure every one of their products takes tastes delicious this may be one of my favorite of all classic city lager uh you can pick some up wherever you're doing your shopping so it's available six and 12 pack cans really all year long you know some craft uh, uh, you know, specialties are seasonal this is not a seasonal beer this is available all the time so make sure you check out some classic city lager it is just good cold beer classic city lager from creature comforts brewing company a taste in athens but you don't have to be in athens to enjoy it you can pick it up wherever you're doing your shopping here today so john i was listening to the jim harbaugh press conference from introductory uh, orange bowl press conference from a couple of weeks ago and he was talking about how there was a you know kind of a mindset that michigan had to play with in the sort of final part of the season and he's really right if you go back and look when they lost on october 30th to michigan state they essentially knew that every game they played after that was an elimination game so 
you win against Indiana, you go on the road, win at Penn State, you go on the road, you dominate Maryland, you obviously win the regular season finale against Ohio State, and in very impressive fashion, blow out Iowa in the Big Ten title game, that that Michigan really had a different mindset final month of the season than Georgia did, because on the date that uh, Michigan lost to Michigan State, that's the same date that Georgia clinched the SEC East, knowing it had really very easy games coming after that and I'm not making excuses for Georgia losing the SEC championship I'm just saying that Michigan has had kind of a playoff mentality now for more than a month Jim Harbaugh talked about that a couple of weeks ago and so now that Georgia's margin for error has gone away too is there a chance that we do see a little bit of a rebooted mindset from Georgia going to the Orange Bowl where it is win or go home now your season is over if you lose is there a chance that extra motivation kind of provides the maybe the extra edge that a team like Georgia needs that maybe Michigan's been playing with now for quite some time? I hope so. I uh, I also think that it, it's to Georgia's advantage that there's such a window of time between the conference championship game and, uh, and, and the first round of the college football playoffs because Michigan was playing really good ball. And anytime you, you know, I, I like our matchup. I, I, if I were uh, I'm not a gambler, but if I were to put money on a team, I, I think Georgia is is still the team to beat, uh, especially heading into this week or into this game. But Michigan was playing their best ball and uh, having a period of time where you know maybe they're not uh, clicking quite the way they were at the end of the season. That's not a bad thing for Georgia, and um, it it hopefully gives Georgia the opportunity to really hone back in on on what they uh what they were doing and who they were when when we were playing our best ball and you know the season the way they were set up was much different in that georgia's most meaningful games came in the the beginning and middle of the season and that last quarter of the season was um really an opportunity for them to get healthy and um just work on maintaining more than uh, having their backs pressed against the wall the way Michigan's was. And uh, to Michigan's credit, the, the way they responded uh, after that loss to Michigan State, I think is a testament to the quality of opponent that Georgia's about to face. And so it's going to be uh, it's going to be a good game, but I at least expect it to be. Uh, hopefully it's not. Hopefully Georgia runs away with it. But uh, the way Michigan's playing, uh, they've, they've proven themselves to be a very capable team. John, great stuff. Thanks for being here for our classic City Logger Insider Update. We certainly appreciate your time, and we will get a chance to speak to you again this week as a part of our Chase for the Championship, which I'm really looking forward to. But uh, obviously, this will be our last time on Dog Nation Daily before Christmas, so hope you have a great Christmas. Hope it's fun for you and your family, and you get everything you want. Your kids get everything they want, and obviously, hopefully, we'll all get what we want uh, come Orange Bowl time with a victory against the Michigan Wolverines. Thank you once again for allowing us to help preview all of that. Absolutely. It's good times. I think for most dog fans, our, our ultimate gift, would, uh, or at least for the season, will come uh, on December 31st and again in, in January. But wishing you and yours a Merry Christmas and a Go dogs. There you go, John. Good stuff. Thanks for your time. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you, I, I love Christmas. I always have. It's just uh, it's a fun time of year, and I'm very much like the Griswolds. You know, I just 
we get into decorating, we get into all that kind of stuff. We get, you know, way too much, you know, for our kids come Christmas time. We just, we just like doing all of that. And I always will. I'm just, I'm very much into all the holiday things. And so I hope all of you concurrent to our enjoyment of the playoff and what's going on with Georgia football. Hopefully you're all getting ready to enjoy a great Christmas too, because it truly is a uh, great time of year indeed. And you know what? What makes Christmas so much fun is knowing that the new year is going to be really fun there too, because, uh, as Kenny Chesney once said, all you want for Christmas is a real good tan. Well, guess what we get a chance to get? Uh, a real good tan ourselves coming up in really just a few months when you start thinking about the uh, Dog Nation cruise. And I've heard from some of you, and by the way, there'll be a little bit of this on our uh, Golden Shoe later on in the show here today, but I've heard from some of you that you're making plans to be with us. Dog Nation cruise setting sail come April 25th. April 25th through the 29th, we're leaving out of Port Canaveral. You've heard me say this before. Going to Nassau on the Bahamas, going to Perfect Day, Coco Cay, private island, unbelievable, thrill side, chill side, so many fun things to do on Perfect Day, Coco Cay, we're going to be doing that, and we want you to be a part of it too, because it's not just going to be a cruise, it's going to be a Dog Nation cruise, on board the Independence of the Seas, but special Dog Nation themed events going on the entire time there as well. This is the biggest thing we've ever done at Dog Nation, it's going to be the most fun thing up until now we've ever done at Dog Nation. But for it to be as fun as it possibly can be, we need you on board there as well. So dognation.com, link at the very top of the homepage, will connect you with our friends, the Cruise and Vacation Authority. That's the only partner we would use to help get a cruise like this going. we got to have great experts kind of providing that infrastructure support for us of getting everybody on board and getting everybody happy. That's what the Cruise and Vacation Authority is going to provide. So please make sure you check them out. But use dognation.com, the link at the top of the page, to help you get you there for that. April 25th of the 29th with our friends at Royal Caribbean on board Independence of the Seas. This is going to be a great time. Can't wait to see you there for that. All right, let's go cruise around the SEC here for a minute, courtesy of our friends at Royal Caribbean. And big news for Dan Lanning in the fact that he's acquired his new quarterback at Oregon, and it's an SEC name. It's Bo Nix leaving Auburn to go to Oregon. And obviously the thing that gets a lot of attention here is the Knicks, who's already played Georgia three times in his career, lost all three of those will now open the 2022 season, presumably as Oregon starting quarterback against Georgia. So the Georgia-Oregon game to begin next season in Atlanta already has a ton of storylines. The presence of Bo Nix now adds to that. But let me also say this for a moment, and I'm really impressed with this. Think about the Georgia staffers who've gone on to become head coaches. Sam Pittman leaving Georgia to go to Arkansas. Mel Tucker leaving to go to Colorado, then moving pretty quickly to Michigan State. Now Dan Lanning going to Oregon aren't you impressed with these guys seem to hit the ground running they pretty clearly have a plan in place like it took Dan, Dan Lanning five minutes to acquire Bo Nix and listen I watched Nix a lot this year honestly I thought Nix played some pretty good football and if you're looking for I mean this is an Oregon program that needs desperate help at the quarterback spot this is not the days of Marcus Mariota or you know some of the guys they've uh, you know had there in the past. Uh, Dennis Dixon is that the name that kind of comes up here? This is not you know this is not those days for for Oregon at the quarterback spot anymore. They've really struggled. Anthony Brown, the transfer into that program, did not play well. They need to be better at the quarterback spot. Uh, and given the way that Bo Nix played a time for Auburn this year, I think he's an upgrade of what they've had there at the quarterback position. And it's amazing to me how Lanning, still working at Georgia, he's only a part-time head coach at Oregon right now, but he's pretty clearly had a plan in place. He's executing that. It's really no, no different than when Pittman got to Arkansas. And Pittman couldn't have known that as an offensive line coach, he'd get a chance to be Arkansas head coach. That all had to happen for him very fast. But 
He got Barry Odom hired as a defensive coordinator. He got Kendall Bryles hired as an offensive coordinator. He got Felipe Franks to transfer into the program. Had a very successful first year. Endured a brutal schedule. Endured the pandemic. Had first-year success there. Set himself up for more success in his second year. He had a plan in place taking that job. Frankly, Mel Tucker wasn't at or, uh, Colorado very long, but he hired Jay Johnson. He had guys that he wanted to hire. Went to Michigan State. Utilized the transfer portal very well. Like The one thing that you can say about these Kirby guys, or to flip this around, the one thing you can't say about Tucker or Pittman or now Lanning, they're not ill-prepared. They are not just kind of feeling their way around the dark. They get these jobs, and they put a plan in place pretty quick. Compare that a little bit to Brian Kelly, by the way, who we told you off the very top of the program got allegedly turned down by Todd Munkin for his offensive coordinator role. We told you this last week that pretty quietly – one of the interesting stories in the SEC right now is is that Brian Kelly can't seem to convince other coaches to take the money from LSU the way that he wanted to. We highlighted some of the the ways in which you know they've kind of gotten he's kind of gotten turned down. You know, couldn't get Tommy Reese to to leave Notre Dame and come be his offensive coordinator. You know, also lost it on Marcus Freeman too. But Freeman became a head coach. You don't really fault him for that. Joe Brady was back on the open market. We thought that might be a name for LSU. That hasn't really materialized. He was turned down by you know uh, uh, Brad Davis, the Kentucky defensive coordinator. LSU getting turned down by a Kentucky guy. That's a little bit weird. And now it looks like Brian Kelly is. Uh, turned his attention now to a guy named Matt House as his next defensive coordinator. This is the linebackers coach at uh, Kansas City with the Chiefs. He's also a former Kentucky defensive coordinator. But it seems like Brian Kelly, upon taking the LSU job, you know, he bounces to that school, gets the money, gets a chance to win at the high level, win the national championship, something I believe that he doesn't think he could have done there at LSU. But compare this to the Georgia guys, like a Dan Lanning, who has a plan in place, executes that plan pretty quickly. Uh, Brian Kelly seems to have very little idea of who his coordinator is going to be, who his key hire is going to be as assistant coaches. Not to say that he won't find capable guys when you have this much money to throw around there. Eventually, you'll hire somebody. But how many times are we going to see LSU get turned down for these big-name coordinators when a guy like Brian Kelly is supposed to be bringing some gravitas to that role as head coach there at LSU, but hiring assistants has proven not to be very easy for Kelly thus far. We told you about this last week. It was worth paying attention to. He's now been turned down again on both sides of the ball, so we'll find out when when Kelly does finally kind of land some of those assistant coaching names. I also want to mention this for a moment. So Steve Spurrier is doing a radio interview in uh, Tampa, and Dan Mullen comes up. Now, at a certain point, we've kind of kicked around Mullen all we can. That's kind of gone out of style now uh, in terms of making fun of Dan Mullen. So me bringing this up really isn't about mockery. I actually think that Spurrier brings up a couple of pretty interesting points on all of this. So he kind of talks about when things go south for Mullen there at Florida, and the thing that he brings up is the game against LSU last season. And the thing that Spurrier cites specifically is the decision not to play Kyle Pitts, even though the belief was that Pitts was healthy, healthy enough to play. They kind of held him out because Florida had already clinched the SEC East. And it's very easy to forget this. Florida was about a 20-point favorite that day at home against LSU. And so maybe there was the belief that that game was going to be an easy game for Florida to win. Well, as it turns out, the thrown shoe and they lose the game and then go on to lose to Alabama in the SEC Championship. The game was close, but they lost. And they got embarrassed in the bowl game. And that really kind of set the tone for what Mullen has dealt with this year. I think Spurrier's words on this should be considered for a moment. And I hope, I almost hope this is true because I think it speaks well for the kind of changes that do need to occur in college football. 
What Spurrier's suggesting here is, is that by Florida not taking the LSU game very seriously, what Spurrier compared it to is an NFL team that knows it's got a playoff spot secured, so therefore just plays its backups down the stretch and kind of the garbage time at the end of the season. Spurrier says that's what he thought Florida did last year against LSU. And that the I mean, we know for a fact that Mullen acknowledged that the in the the bowl game, the loss to Oklahoma, wasn't even a real game. And what we said at the time was, what we've said throughout every time this comes up is that you can't just turn it on and turn it off. That and you've heard me use this phrase before. How you do anything is how you do everything. If you act like the LSU game doesn't matter, if you act like the Oklahoma Bowl game doesn't matter, then all of a sudden when it's time to play games that you do think matter, you've trained your team to go half speed. You've you've trained your team to to not care about every play, not take every play as seriously as every other play. And it looked like this year that Florida essentially quit on Dan Mullen, essentially quit on themselves, quit on each other. And some of the quit late last season seems to have bled into the 2021 season. I think Spurrier's words on this are are pretty important. And I think for a lot of programs right now are kind of dealing with how do you handle these down-the-stretch games? How do you handle these bowl games that have become more like exhibitions? I think we've seen from Kirby Smart when they haven't been the college football playoff. Let me get anybody who's not fully bought in. Let me get them out. You know, go do something else. Go go somewhere else. And maybe you can even come back next year, but if you're not all bought in right now, I can't have you around my team. We've got to treat this seriously. The guys who are playing need to treat this game seriously. And I think that Mullen did make some mistakes down the stretch last year in regards to that. I don't think Spurrier's wrong for saying what he said. It's the kind of thing that coaches this year during bowl season, during those late season games, which you're kind of out of running for your division. It's the kind of thing that maybe everybody should be paying attention to because when you look at the reasons why Dan Mullen went from being a coach of, well, he had a lot of respect in the media and places like that to where it kind of turned out to be late, I think that you have to look at the way they handled their business down the stretch last year as maybe a time which all of that went wrong. Uh, I saw where uh, Walter Nolan, the five-star signee for Texas A&M, has addressed some NIL rumors, you know, some Vols fans, because Nolan most recently had lived in Knoxville, was going to a Knoxville area high school, that a lot of Vols fans say, well, the reason why A&M won this recruiting battle, stole him away, even though I don't know that a lot of folks necessarily thought Nolan was going to Tennessee simply because he was living in Knoxville, but obviously Tennessee fans wanted that to be true. And so they pushed the rumor that, well, the only reason this happened is because of the NIL. That's the only reason this happened. They got uh, He got big NIL dollars, and therefore he went to Texas A&M. For some reason, this rumor's been out there with Texas A&M kind of a lot. No one's going to shot this down saying that if he really wanted to get NIL money, the place for him to get that would have been staying in Knoxville. Now, when he says NIL money, I'm not quite sure what he means by that. I told you this last week. The people have a tendency to use NIL as kind of a catch-all phrase for a lot of different things. I don't believe there's been enough specific reporting related to uh, what uh, you know what uh, NIL actually is. But Nolan addressed this head-on there this week about why it was he chose Texas A&M instead of maybe going to a place like Tennessee, which Vols fans wanted him to do, given the fact that he was living there in Knoxville. Finally, there's this. Speaking of Tennessee, Cade Mays just kind of come out and said it, that in order to come back to Tennessee next season, he wants, I believe the phrase he's used is like third or fourth round money. That's kind of what he said, about a half a million dollars about what that would be. That's what he wants to come back to Tennessee next year. And listen, around here, we kind of operate on the belief that we treat coaches and players very differently. Like you'll hear me get on coaches. I don't really get on players very much. I almost never make fun of rival players, make fun of rival coaches all the time. I will criticize a Georgia coach. Don't really 
do as much critical specifically of Georgia players. I mean, listen, if a guy plays badly, we're going to admit that. But in terms of you know how intense that criticism becomes, I'm just more comfortable criticizing a coach than I am criticizing a player. I say this all the time, that for me, big platform like this, Dog Nation, we're going to punch up. We're not going to punch down. In other words, I'm going to go after people who make more money than me. I'm going to go after people who have a bigger platform than me. That's what college coaches are. Most college players are not quite like that. You know, they don't have as big a platform. Some do, but not all of them do. Uh, some of them in the future may be making a lot of money, but most of them now have less financial resources for doing what they do than I have for doing what I do here. So therefore, I'm gonna when I turn my spotlight on something, the platform that Dog Nation gives me, I'm gonna turn it towards a coach, not towards a player. That's just the general rule that we kind of operate on. However, if a guy like Cade May is gonna be like, "Hey, I need a half a million dollars in order to come back to Tennessee." Well, at that point in time, then it becomes a little more appropriate to treat Mays like you would kind of treat a coach at that point in time. In other words, uh, it becomes fair to ask, well, has your level of play actually been worth the half a million dollars? You know, all of a sudden now you're not just a player that went to somebody's high school and, you know, uh, you know, you're going to kind of keep those warm, fuzzy feelings going. All of a sudden now you're a professional that wants to be treated that way. That means being evaluated like a professional. And based on what I saw from Cade Mays this year, I guess I'm kind of left to wonder. Do Vols fans think that level of play is worth a half a million dollars? Because if he could get third and fourth round money in the NFL, I think you just go get that from the league, right? This notion of, hey, I'll come back here if you'll give me NFL money. But listen, if you're worth NFL money, you'd be in the NFL. And so in this kind of new era in which we live in, name, image, likeness stuff, I don't fault Mays for being you know, candid and open about all this. I don't, I don't fault that. But if you're going to say it, then I think the conversation needs to be had of, are you really worth the money? And I think that based on the way that he played at Tennessee, at least what I saw, I'm not quite so sure that he was. And frankly, if, if, if he was kind of worth that from an NFL standpoint, he'd probably be going to the league. So nonetheless, interesting stuff. We will make that your SEC through. Cruise around the SEC, of course, courtesy of our friends at Royal Caribbean. And I want to get back to that chess match that's going to be going on for the Orange Bowl here between Monk and who we've talked about and what's happening on the defensive side there with the Michigan Wolverines in a moment. Before that, though, let me talk to you about my friends at Space Dogs here. You know, um, I try to stay up to date on what's going on in the world. Some topics, though, are a little harder to follow than others. And one of those for me is crypto. You know, you hear folks talk about crypto all the time and you're kind of left to wonder, well, what is this really? Well, I have some idea, but the folks at Space Dogs have actually done a good job in allowing me to understand even more about kind of how cryptocurrency is relevant for my life. You know, at its basic essence, it's just a more safe, secure way to make transactions online. The things you're kind of already doing anyway can be made better and, and more secure with uh, with crypto and the kind of thing that Space Dogs can uh, help acquaint you with. So if you'll check out their website, trust me, they are better at explaining this than I am. So if you don't do anything else with what I tell you, at least check out the website. It's dogs.io. That's D-A-W-G-S. Good dog people know how to spell dogs. D-A-W-G-S. Dogs.io. And you can see all the products that Space Dogs offer and allow them and these products to help take the mystery out of crypto for you, whether it's the new dog's token, which is kind of a cool thing to examine, or you want the dog's wallet, you want the space card. These are just more safe, more secure ways to to, to use crypto and to, to make 
better transactions online or whatever transaction you're, you're kind of a part of here, um, Space Dogs can just help you with all of that. So please check them out. Space Dogs uh, online at dogs.io. That website, once again, dogs.io. Take the mystery out of crypto. Check out the dogs token. Check out the dogs wallet. Check out the space card. These great new products from our friends at Space Dogs. This is really very good stuff. So I told John Stinchcomb this a moment ago, and I do believe this is true, that when you think about the college ball playoff, when you think about what's about to go down for Georgia, I think Munkin, who we started today's show by saying has reportedly turned down a chance to leave UGA, which would presume big bucks from LSU, apparently Todd Munkin wants to stay at UGA, having him all in for the college football playoff, having him all in and doing more of what he's already done for the UGA offense, this could be a really big deal, big deal specifically against Michigan. And the chess match here is going to be fascinating because we know how good the Michigan defense has been. You think about Aiden Hutchinson, the award circuit stuff that he's been a part of, the overall numbers for what Michigan's done defensively this year. We know how good it is. And it's kind of interesting, the the defensive mastermind of all this is a guy named Mike McDonald, who has a lot of ties to the state of Georgia. In fact, our buddy Connor Riley, who I don't think can hear me right now because he's working. Yeah, uh, he's a centennial guy, right? Uh, uh, did you? Connor's producing today. Did you know him at all? Not not overlapping time wise, um, but he's been a centennial guy. He worked at the State of Shoals. This is a guy that's got a lot of high school ties to the state of Georgia. It's actually a. Pre- I mean, there'll be a lot of stories written about this. It's actually a pretty amazing climb up the coaching ranks for him who's connected to John Harbaugh worked at the Baltimore Ravens now at Michigan uh very respected guy it's actually kind of a cool story and he's done a great job with the Michigan defense and so McDonald on the other side for Michigan chess match with Todd Munkin that's going to be such a sharp sharp battle of wits between these two coaches so with that in mind let's go back to a couple of weeks ago upon realizing that it's um, Michigan that's going to be playing Georgia. Jim Harbaugh talked about the decision to hire McDonald, what he's brought to the table for the Michigan defense, the way in which he kind of draws up those X's and O's for the Wolverines defensively. This is a name that Georgia fans need to know, this Harbaugh from the other day. When uh, I was looking to, to hire a defensive coordinator, uh, you know, back uh, in January, uh, reached out to a lot of football people and reached out to my brother and uh, he recommended Mike um, and uh, the greatest impact that he's he's had on our team is uh, he's just been he's really smart uh, really good teacher uh, brings a lot of energy uh, brings a lot of intelligence and uh Great communicator, all those, all those things. The uh, guys love playing for him. Really, uh, you know, they're stimulated by all the, by all the football situations, by all the football knowledge, and uh, and you know, it just gets. I see our guys just uh, are really, uh, really into it, and uh, it's been that way since day one. So what I said is true. McDonald versus Monken's amazing coaching chess match we're gonna be following and covering that pretty closely I do have to confess one thing for a moment I had not watched the Jim Harbaugh press conference for the Orange Bowl until this morning y'all this is the worst press conference I have ever heard like Kirby Smart I think wears it as a badge of honor that he doesn't really give the media anything 
that that Smart likes to keep his cards close to the vest. And when it comes to the quarterback topic, as we sit off the top of the program, that has a way of frustrating some Georgia fans. I do get that. There are other times when Smart not really giving the media very much makes him more popular. You know, people like to see the media kind of kicked around a little bit. Sometimes Smart kind of withholds what media wants, and people kind of enjoy that. But you think that Kirby Smart is overly dry in these press conferences, that Smart is 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 intentionally boring in a press conference? You haven't seen anything until you watch 20 minutes of Jim Harbaugh. It's the most boring press conference chatter I've ever seen in my life. So here's what I want to do for a couple of minutes. I want to give you not a showdown between Harbaugh and, and, and Kirby. We're going to do a bore down. And I want to show you Kirby Smart trying to be boring. And then I want you to see how, by comparison, it's not boring at all. By comparison, it's way more interesting than what Jim Harbaugh brings to the table. So, so Smart was asked about Michigan same weekend as the clip you just heard. And at the time, I remember kind of joking that this was the most Kirby Smart compliment of all, what he said about Michigan. Like, Smart was so in character about what he says he notices about Michigan and what he's impressed with when it comes to Michigan. But by comparison, this might as well be a Dave Chappelle stand-up comedy routine in comparison to the absolute tedium that Jim Harbaugh put forth in his press conference. So let's do a bore-down comparison here. This is Kirby Smart trying to be at his most boring best but failing in comparison to Jim Harbaugh. Kirby first, take a listen. The biggest thing that I noticed was the um, physicality they played with last night, um, the leadership they had. Uh, I was thoroughly impressed with the interviews that I saw among their players post game. I think you can always kind of tell, you know, where a team stands and, and what they're all about by what they talk about, the messaging. And to hear those guys talk after the game was, was, was really impressive. That, that they're senior laden. Uh, you know, senior-driven team that leads that way. So, I mean, that clip is honestly a little bit of a cure for insomnia, right? You go into the leadership thing, physicality, that's always kind of a crutch to kind of lean on, you know, impressed with the senior-laden nature of the team. Like, you can sort of feel your eyelids kind of start to get a little heavy. You can kind of, you know, kind of lean your head back. You could pretty well go to sleep on the basis of that. But in the same press conference, and I'm not going to play this clip for you because I don't really have time to, Smart also talked about how his son had been watching a lot of YouTube clips of Aiden Hutchinson, and his son knew all about his stats and stuff like that. Smart had at least seen their post-game interviews after winning the Big Ten title game. That There's actually a little bit of color there. There's actually a little bit of personality there from Smart when talking about Michigan. By comparison, I don't know that Jim Harbaugh has ever seen Georgia play a football game not once in his entire life, even though his brother-in-law, uh, Tom Crane's obviously the Georgia basketball coach. Like, you think Kirby Smart is boring in press conferences? Take a listen to this bore-down showdown between uh, Smart and Harbaugh, how boring Harbaugh's description of Georgia is. Can you imagine 20 minutes of this droning on? This is the most boring clip we've ever played in the history of Dog Nation. Uh, but nonetheless, Harbaugh on Georgia. Take a listen. Yeah, super impressed with the playmakers. Um, you know, there's 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 quite a few guys on uh, on the roster, offense, defense. Uh, you know, guys that you know we remember recruiting and and watching in in high school, and how to see them. Uh, you know, as expecting being great players in college. Um, that physical, rugged team uh, in the lines, and uh, you know, skilled players. 
smart players. Uh, well, the schemes, you don't know what they're what they're trying to accomplish. Um, you know, really, when you're watching it on on TV, but it jumps out to you pretty quick that uh, you know there's not a lot of mental error. There's not a lot of people going the wrong way or um, you know doing doing things that you wouldn't want your players doing if you're a coach. Uh, so you know all those things and and uh, are the things that first jump out at you. This is like every book report I ever wrote my entire school career. Like he's just trying to get 800 words. He doesn't know a single Georgia player's name. Doesn't know one. Now, by now he does. He's, he's been working on Georgia. He says they recruited some of these guys. Like, yeah, they got playmakers. They got offense. They got defense. They got whatever else. I mean, this is pretty, this is like me trying to like sort of BS my way through a book that I clearly didn't read. You know, one of those things of, oh, I thought the point the book made was outstanding. It's really one of those things that should be considered by everybody, blah, 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 blah. Like he doesn't have the first idea about Georgia. And I think it'll be very interesting to watch. Once we get to uh, South Florida, once we get ready for true Orange Bowl week, you know, get past Christmas, we'll be live down in South Florida after that. The bore down between Kirby and Harbaugh of who can say the least in these press conferences is actually going to be pretty amazing. And you think that you think that Kirby keeps his cards close to the vest? The entire Harbaugh, Harbaugh press conference, everything you just heard right there. I mean, he's not saying anything. So uh, Kirby may have met his match when it comes to press conference boredom. I have never seen one more boring than what uh, Jim Harbaugh uh, brought to the table. So with that, we'll wrap up the program. A lot of golden shoes to give out today, so let's just kind of jump in these and uh, do these pretty quickly. Let's throw the first one up here on the uh, screen here for a moment. Obviously, uh, always fun to get your submissions at Dog Nation Daily. Uh, Chris uh, on Twitter sends this to me about Urban Meyer uh, as a character in Friday. Chris Tucker's character saying, how are you going to get fired on your day off? Yeah, the Meyer thing continues to be a pretty big deal. I saw where he spoke to the NFL Network yesterday and folks still making fun of uh, urban meyer a little friday reference never a bad thing there uh shame to see urban meyer get fired george on tap uh and i say a shame sarcastically george on tap shares this on twitter there as well of course our mascot around here is uh eddie the blind squirrel of course uh cousin eddie formerly florida football coach george on tap says looks like dan mullen found a new kick with the d the new gig with the dot making safety signs this one says Cousin Eddie says Twitter's full. Put down the phone. Kind of a play on one of the lines from Christmas Vacation. Uh, So pretty funny stuff there. Our buddy Bryce Dixon also talking Dog Nation Cruise. He expects to be with us there for that. I've heard from so many of our buddy Wise Dog, uh, Bryce Dixon, so many others going to be on that Dog Nation Cruise. Cannot wait to be with all of you in April there for that. Give it to yourself or somebody you love here for this holiday season. Dog Nation Crew is going to be a lot of fun. And then one more to share there with you as well. Another golden shoe winner to Michael Sumner, who's enjoying himself some classic city lager as he enjoys bowl season. Yeah, a good old beer and some bowl season. That's a good way to spend this holiday time of year. And so Michael Sumner's got some classic city lager with him as he does that. So we'll give him a golden shoe there as well. And of course, we'll remind you, Gator Hater Countdown 300. 13 days from now dogs against those lousy stinking gators we'll see you there for that and then back tomorrow live once again for dog nation daily presented by Pella window and door of georgia we'll look forward to seeing you then everybody and on the podcast time now for the rs andrews podcast cool down we'll take a couple of your thoughts here via twitter at dog nation daily online at dognation.com and then we'll bounce out of here uh our buddy Depp dog checks in through the uh, dog nation comment section to say we talked on friday's show about uh the recruitment of gunner stockton and 
you know, the future of the Georgia offense based on the 2022 class. Dep Dog writes, let's hope Georgia continues, he means the state, to produce great quarterbacks in high school because it's fast becoming known as the Bermuda Triangle of top-tier quarterbacks nationally. Alabama just had its first quarterback win the Heisman Trophy. Anybody want to guess when UGA will have a Heisman Trophy quarterback? Oh, right. They have one on their roster now. They just don't play him. Brilliant. So here's the thing. And I've said before, for the Georgia fan who wants to see Georgia try something different at quarterback with JT Daniels, I understand why you would. And of all the arguments in favor of Daniels, that's always the one that resonates with me the most. Why not just try something you haven't tried yet? Daniels undefeated 7-0 as a starter. Stetson Bennett's lost now twice to Alabama. Why not give another guy that you at least trusted to be your starting quarterback at the beginning of the season? Uh, so at one point in time, you like you saw from Daniels. Why not give him a shot to provide something different in that game if you were to play Alabama again, or maybe even in the college football playoff in general? That argument makes some sense. Here's the argument that does not make some sense to me. The notion that um, JT Daniels is obviously a Heisman Trophy caliber quarterback. Listen, I'd love for that to be true. And obviously, if JT plays at quarterback as a Georgia fan, I'll root for him just as hard as I root for Stetson Bennett. But there is very little evidence that supports JT being this Heisman Trophy level quarterback that Kirby Smart's just refusing to play. Like, like that some people have continued to up the ante on their argument for why Daniels is not playing to the point now where they have him the greatest quarterback in the entire country that just so happens to be sitting on the bench for Georgia. Not only would that be illogical, like why would a coach, you know, make a decision that's that he doesn't have an incentive to make, but, you know, there's just not a lot of statistical support for this notion that, ah, oh, yeah, Jan Daniels is a clear Heisman Trophy caliber quarterback. Georgia's just not playing. There's just not a lot of st uh, statistical support for that. I mean, listen, I I'd love for Daniels to play, love for him to win the national championship, love for him to come back to Georgia next year and win the Heisman Trophy. Who's to say that he might not? But this notion that it's obvious that he's already that level of player, I just, I just don't think the the overall argument's quite as convincing as maybe Dep Dog believes that it is. Uh TCS 59 talks about Georgia kind of falling to the number three spot uh, with its with its class. And that is true. That's where Georgia is right now. And maybe that's where they finish. But they, as, as we said during today's show, you're still kind of in the mix for a guy like Ernest Green coming up or, a, you know, a, maybe a Shamar Stewart come February that you've still got a couple of names that you're still involved with there down the stretch here for the, the remainder of this 2022 cycle. You have a chance to add something there. Um, so good comments kind of rolling in there online at dognation.com we appreciate you being here for our podcast cool down here today hope all of you have a great day big thanks to R.S. Andrews for making it all possible and we'll be shows tomorrow and Wednesday taking some time off for Christmas after that so we'll see you back here tomorrow R.S. Andrews podcast cool down after the show Dog Nation Daily presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia uh, talk to you then everybody Merry Christmas Happy Holidays thanks for being with us